Hello and welcome to the show that will never again ask Matt for the etymology of Northern sayings. On today's show, we sent Matt Stanker to the biggest game of the weekend without first checking that there were any tickets left. He was holding out for a hero. He found Jeff. We've discussed Lee Johnson's Bristol City often enough, but what about his dad? We take a look at Gary Johnson's Cheltenham. And today, after putting it off for 23 weeks, we finally shine a light on... MK Dons. We'll have all the other stuff too. We'll play the fan league, we'll chat to Joe Crilly, we'll have ever more inventive ways to crowbar in references to our own teams. It's all on the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. That went well. Good morning, everyone. Good, good morning. morning to Lloyd Griffiths. Hello, good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. And thank you for being here. You are, of course, the host of Soccer AM. Yes. An accomplished stand-up comedian. Thank you. And uh, more pertinently, co-commentator for BBC Humberside's Grimsby <laughs> Town coverage. Yes, I do that every now and then, um, and it means that I don't have to buy a ticket. <laughs> it's not It's not the kind of thing you would want to buy, buy a ticket for right now, is it? It's all gone horribly wrong. It's gone very wrong. A number of things have gone wrong, um, and we're not in a good place, and no one's happy. We'll talk more about it later, but oh, please. You, you're not going back down, are you? Let's talk more about it later. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, how are you? I'm feeling fantastic, top of the table. Oh, yes, yes, Blackburn won last night, didn't they? Yeah, and that's much yes. more important than progressing in the FA Cup against Manchester City, of course. Yes, <laughs> well done you for being just about the only person in London watching that game. Um, Joe Crilly. Hello. Of William Hill, of course. Joe, you've just come back from Budapest. Uh, yes, I have come back from Budapest very, very early this morning. Excellent. Well, you look just about all right for it. You're still, you know, borderline human, I'd say. Yeah, well, I've had that Red Bull, haven't I, so... Well, this should be a very interesting show. Let's move, because we have so much to talk about. Direct to Performance of the Week. Um, all of us nominate a team, and then you on Twitter vote for who wins it. Producer Tayo, who did you go for? I went for Harry Kiel's Crawley Town in their 3-1 win over Lincoln City at home. Five successive wins. An entirely reasonable shout, but only 13% of you agreed with it. Joe Crilly, who did you go for? I went for Cardiff, who beat Borough to uh, maintain their push at the top of the championship. A fine shout, but only 18%. And 18% went with Matt as well. Who did you go for? I went for Mansfield in their 1-0 victory at Exeter. However, 51% of you agreed with me that it was Rotherham who uh, beat Shrewsbury away from home. And that is their sixth win in a row. That's Performance of the Week. Keep up with that next week. Uh, now it's time for News in Brief. Producer Tyro, hit that music. Fleetwood Town have sacked head coach Uwe Rosler after seven straight defeats in all competitions. Saturday's 3-0 defeat to Doncaster was a final straw. It left the Cod Army in 20th and only above the relegation zone on goal difference. Development coach Barry Nicholson and goalkeeping coach David Lucas are in temporary charge of tonight's game against Portsmouth. Everyone at Fleetwood Town would like to place on record their thanks to Uwe for his hard work and professionalism during his time at the club, a club statement said. The search for his replacement will begin immediately. Despite what we said last week about St Mirren's Jack Ross, Barnsley have appointed 52-year-old Jose Moraes as their new boss. Moraes worked under fellow Portuguese Jose Mourinho at Chelsea, Real Madrid and Inter Milan, but insists he's more than a coach and he's ready for the challenge at Oakwell. My way to live is challenging myself and challenging others to achieve what people think is possible and much more. 
That's why I decided Barnsley. Because they're in a situation where I, I think the team needs help. The team needs to improve. The team needs to make things better. Ipswich Town Manager Mick McCarthy has apologised for his touchline expletives against Norwich. Big Mick lost it after his side went ahead in the 89th minute in the Old Farm Derby. To be honest, I forgot the cameras were there and can capture every word now, he said. You don't think about that during the game. For those offended by my language, I apologise. Ah, you don't have to apologise, Mick, you f***ing glorious bastard. That is the news in brief. Matt, Mick McCarthy, that was a wonderful moment. It was, it was absolutely fantastic and uh, I actually had to leave just before Norwich got their equaliser so I'm happy to continue living in a world where Mick McCarthy is lording it over his detractors. Who do you think it was directed at? Because for anyone who missed this, Mick um, burst out of the technical area and delivered quite a resounding message to someone. I thought it might have been the Ipswich fans. Maybe just the universe. I mean, a lot of people <laughs> suggested it was, it was Ipswich fans. I think it was it was everyone, every single person ever born, ever who has ever died, whoever will be born. It was everyone. God bless him. It was a marvellous thing. Uh, Lloyd, Mick McCarthy at Ipswich, a wonderful human being. Yep. He's not going to last long there now, is he? Um, I don't know. He seems just... He's had the job since, I think, 1948 now, hasn't he? <laughs> I think... He's one of those ones where I've got a few Ipswich fans, uh, friends as fans, and they absolutely adore him. They just they they absolutely adore him. Really? And I've got a few that cannot st- like like hate him. You know, like you hate a stepdad. You know what I mean? You go, nah, you're not my real. Dad. What do you want now? And they they absolutely. Hate. I I I actually can't see him getting the sack. I don't think he'll get the sack, but I think that was the chance to to you know buy himself a little bit more time. His contract's up at the end of the year. And it just feels like there's going to be a natural parting of the ways. There was a, a brilliantly salty uh, quote from Captain Luke Chambers as well after the game. I don't know if you saw this. He said, Norwich are running around like they've won the cup in the 95th minute when they've spent 200 million or whatever in the last five years. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> so I'm not sure he took that equaliser too well. I, I, with, with Ipswich, and I don't want to uh, get too serious, I don't see them as ever being contenders for being in the Premier League. I just don't. I don't think they're a, a big enough club, um, and I just, I just see them very much being between third and tenth in the championship forever. <laughs> well, in fairness, that that wouldn't be. You know, I'd take too, that too as a Town fan. Right, I'd take yeah. third in League Two forever. Um, but I just, I don't see them competing with anyone else. If Mick McCarthy does go, which I'm fairly sure he will, who who could you see coming into replace Phil him? Brown? Oh, now that would be wonderful. Imagine that. Oh, yes. Yes, I can. Playing the same colour? Yeah, absolutely. It's not too much of a transition. Hey, we should talk about uh, Uwe Rosler and Fleetwood Town. Matt, it was all going well. Uwe Rosler was very much hot property, and now nothing. Yeah, it was all going well this time last year, because obviously he got to uh, the playoffs where, where they lost to Bradford. Um, and Rosler and Stuart McCall, uh, who were obviously both in the dugout in, in that game, uh, those two games last season, they probably feel a little bit like victims of their own success because they've lo- both lost their positions in recent weeks. Uh, but Fleetwood were doing a hell of a lot worse than Bradford, it has to be said. Lost the last five in a row and they've won only four of the last 21. One home win in the league since September, and I think that's absolutely key because if you're not at least entertaining the fans on their own patch, then the owners are going to get a bit restless, aren't they? So Jose Moraes in at Barnsley, which we certainly didn't see coming. Lloyd, does that feel like one of those, oh, he's mates with Jose Mourinho? You know, he's, he's probably quite good. I think a lot of people have said they're mates with Jose Marino in the last three or four years <laughs> to get a job at a certain level. Um, 
I don't know. Like the, the, I saw on the news last week that he's he, a very confident man. Apparently, his CV is it, I mean, it's not shining, is it? Well, not in managerial roles, but in coaching. You yeah, know, he's, you know, he's worked with some good players. But and I don't. He, to me, he, look, he looks like a, a bit of a bouncer. Like he looks <laughs> like he can do the door on like Oceana and Kingston. Like he, you wouldn't mess with him. He looks like a bit of a bruiser. It's an interesting appointment. I don't think anyone, you know, pre knowing his name would have put his name in the hat. Um, and I guess you just have to see what, yeah, what, we'll what he does. See how that uh, how that turns out. Speaking of managerial vacancies, of course, there's still one at your club. There is. After Russell Slade was um, was dismissed, what were your feelings on that? As a Grimsby fan, I mean, it's been miserable. Hasn't yeah, it? but he needed to go. Like I've, I've done a few things with Russell, so I'm not going to completely throw him under the bus. But um, uh, his, his his win rate was awful. We got four points out of thirty three, which Oof. is just it's not. It's not good enough. It really isn't good enough. Uh, he'd got rid of a lot of really creative players in the team. I remember, I think, listening to uh, uh, you last week, you were talking about uh, Dembele and Bollerin were they're just not being used. Obviously, Dembele is injured at the moment. Bollerin has been sold back to uh, to Sutton. We've got rid of some really good creative footballers. Sam Jones, uh, Clements has gone. Jamie Osborne's gone. And we've just brought in a lot of journeymen. I mean, very archetypal Russell Slade characters who haven't really got glowing CVs either. It's very reminiscent of what the team was like when he was uh, last in charge. Um, he likes a long ball. Um, the fans just weren't happy, so he, he had to go. I think the the decision was made far too late. I think they should have got rid of him maybe four or five games beforehand. Um, but yeah, we're not in a great position, both geographically and also <laughs> in the league. There's a good story in the Football League paper at the weekend. Uh, was it Nathan Clark says Grimsby caretaker Paul Wilkinson has got everyone smiling again after Russell Slade sacking and they've lost 3-0 to Crawley and 3-1 to Cambridge. So. <laughs> but they are at least smiling, so there is that. Um, with Paul Wilkinson as caretaker, and there is some talk that he'll get the job permanently... Yeah. Um, he's very much like Moraes in a way, in that his CV is largely coaching and reserve teams. And it is. And I, if if someone submitted that CV that wasn't the number two at the moment, I went, oh hi there, I'd like to be, uh, I'd like to be in, in contention for the Grimsby Town job. And they say, oh, can we have a look at your CV? And it is literally caretaker boss at Cardiff, youth team manager at Leeds. You go, oh, okay, well. What's your um? What's your success like in, as a number two for the last uh, kind of like ten months? Going, oh, it's awful. Yeah, no, it's really <laughs> awful. But I will get the boys smiling. Go well, yeah. Let's let's get you in then, mate. Why not? If you can start the day with a smile, yeah. everything. He's, else he's a lovely out. bloke though, and he's a he's a Grimsby Town fan. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if if that you know if you can put that on a CV. <laughs> I am a Grimsby Town fan. W- would you have like a dream appointment? Phil Every- Brown. <laughs> um, I, I, at the moment, I don't think there's that many... I mean, obviously, we've, we've talked about a lot of managers that have just been released. Um, there's no one that's really shining through at, at the moment. I've got no idea, and we are genuinely a bit scared. Yeah, yeah. scared. We are scared, because I don't know where we're going. And we are in a relegation battle, which is not where you want to be. Oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. We brought you in and then just dragged you yeah. from the murk of your current existence. I'm still existence. smiling, so... Well, that, that's the Wilkinson effect. He's done his job. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out williamhill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag YourOdds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, be gamblerware.org and when the fun stops, stop. 
Let's have a look at the championship, the championship roundup. Leaders Wolverhampton Wanderers could only draw one all with Preston at the weekend. North End boss Alex Neal reckons Wolves should count themselves lucky to have got that. His side were leading on the hour, but the dismissal of John Welsh changed the game. Wolves equalised almost instantly. Could second place Aston Villa take their opportunity to cut their lead a little? No. They were beaten 2-0 by Fulham. We'll discuss that game in more detail in a moment. After everyone banged on about their dreadful away form, Millwall have now won three on the bounce on the road, beating Birmingham 1-0 on Saturday. Goalshy Nottingham Forest are struggling under new boss Ita Karankado. They've failed to score in eight of their last nine matches, the latest a 0-0 draw with Burton. And can you feel that? No, it's not the Wales earthquake, it's Cardiff clattering back into second thanks to a 1-0 win over Middlesbrough. Sunderland, bloody Sunderland. They just keep getting worse. Beaten 2-0 at home by Brentford, Chris Coleman seems at a loss to explain his team's form. More grief, more frustration and more suffering, he said afterwards. It's just been the theme, really, for the past four games. <laughs> four games. Elsewhere, QPR spent Saturday afternoon lumping it up to Big Matt Smith, who made the first and scored the second in a 2-0 win over Joe Crilly's Bolton. And as you've just heard in the old farm derby, it was a one-all draw between Norwich and Ipswich, Norwich sparing their blushes with a 95th-minute equaliser. Aston Villa-Fulham... Um we sent you to the game. We didn't actually get a ticket in advance and it was sold out, Matt. That's right. Probably uh, the most naive person to be covering the Football League. I turn up at a massive championship game without a ticket and uh, thank God for Jeff who uh, saved my blushes there. Tell me about Jeff. Jeff uh, was a kind man who came to my aid uh, outside uh, Craven Cottage when the steward was telling me I should probably just leave because I'm definitely not going to get in and I should stop <laughs> pestering him uh, and Jeff came home and said uh, I have a spare season ticket my son can't make it today and I said can I be your son for the day Jeff and Jeff said sure you can be my son for the day you're not Aston Villa are you and uh, I said no I'm a Blackburn fan but I do love those bloody whites Fulham and uh, let's see our brilliant boys beat Aston Villa together and so he gave me his ticket I went in they won 2-0 we celebrated wildly it was a fantastic day by all did you get told nuggets of you know wisdom that Jeff had accrued through his life he, uh, he told me some stories about what it's like being a Fulham fan over the years uh, some some miserable times some fantastic times and uh, and it was just a great game to be at really because Fulham were Excellent, really professional in their performance. A goal for Ryan Sessegnon. Um, yesterday on the Totally Football Show, Leroy Rosinia and Kelly Cates were speaking about him. Great potential. He could be an amazing player. I think that teams have been in for him. Uh, I think that there's I think there's a deal been done. Oh, uh, really? For Ryan, yeah, uh, Premier League side. Who? Rumours at Tottenham uh, mm-hmm. have been in. Um, wouldn't be surprised if other sides have, have been in for him and said, look, yeah, let's do the deal, but... Like he stays there with Fulham. But it's quite interesting because he's, he's got his twin brother Stephen as well, right, hasn't yeah. he? In the, in the way that their parents um, handle their their careers and the way that they manage their careers is mm-hmm. really interesting because they've had opportunities to move in the past, particularly Ryan, yeah. and they've said, no, we think that Fulham's the best place because you're getting regular football. We look at what's happening at the various clubs that you've been asked to go and play in and that won't help you develop your career, won't help you develop your game. And they, they seem to have a really long-term view of how to bring their bring their boys on it just shows the importance of having that that backing doesn't it mm. saving great focus but I, I do think there's people have put loads of deals towards them so they've got an idea it's mapped out for Ryan already what do you make of Ryan Sessegnon Lloyd I'm surprised he's still there um, everyone was talking about him in the transfer window that he was going to go 
and whether it was the right decision for him, you know, he's still young. How old is he? Like 17. Is, I mean, I that don't is understand. insane. It is insane. I think he's been playing since he was 10 years old in the first team. Every single time, you know, there's a, the, the transfer window opens, session on his links, absolutely everybody. Um, I think he will go at the end of this season. That's just, uh, I think he'll, he'll want to play in the Premier League. Yeah, it's great that Fulham won. Whether they will get, will go up, I'm not entirely sure. But he's, um, I think he's going to be too good for the Championship next season. Do you think that the, the reason that he's progressed so much is that he stayed at Fulham rather than you know making a move to Manchester City's development squad? Yeah, absolutely. But you know, he has to look at where he could go, and if he leaves. Um, Fulham does he then take a you know a Burnley or an Everton um, and probably get first team action or does he then just sit on the bench at Manchester City, City whilst like with with a number of ices um, but just not not enjoying it so I think I think he's made the right decision to stay and obviously Fulham fans are over the moon about him staying absolutely well, he's Pat- banging them in Patrick Roberts of course left Fulham for Man City and then pretty much vanished. Well, in, in English terms, anyway, did very well at Celtic. That's exactly what I was just about to say, actually, Patrick <laughs> Roberts. He, he maybe uh, looks at his career path and thinks uh, it's a wise decision to stay. But he's, he's very, very strongly linked to a move to Spurs, with some people even saying that's pretty much done. Um, which I think is interesting, because uh, he often gets compared to Gareth Bale, which is a pretty obvious one, a young player on the left-hand side who's broken into first-team football at championship level at a very young age. But I think he's he is quite different to, to Bale in that you used to see Bale driving down the wing and then lashing in shots from 30 yards and stuff. That's how you remember him before uh, before he uh, became the star that he is today. And um, I, I think Sessegnon, in, in many ways, his, his goal against uh, Aston Villa sort of uh, was an example of this. He has the instincts of a striker because in the first half, he was really, really closely marked by Twanzebe, who Villa have got on loan for Man United. He did an excellent job, actually, in keeping Sessegnon quiet. And if you see his first goal, though, where it's the uh, opposing fullback uh, Ryan Fredericks, who had a great game as well, it has to be said, uh, you know, he drives down the wing, full and play that pass that they always look for just inside the fullback. And Fredericks cuts it back. And who's in the middle in the centre forward position? It's Sessegnon. He's drifted away from Twanzebe. He's found the space. And so many of his goals this season are like that. They're around the six-yard box. He's, he's a poacher from the left-hand side. It's, it's amazing. And, of course, he's not the only talent there as well. I mean, uh, my man crush on Tom Kearney is, is well known. Um, but Kevin McDonald is fantastic in the middle as well. They've got two players there who could just sweep the ball around for fun. Yeah, McDonald had a, another very strong game against Aston Villa. It was, it was actually uh, Kearney's first start since January the 2nd when Fulham beat Ipswich 4-1. And we were there. Obviously, we were there that night as well. Uh, so it's perhaps a di- bit difficult for Kearney to come back uh, into a game of that sort of magnitude, really, because Fulham had won four of the last five uh, without him. He just made a couple of sub-appearances against Burton and Bolton, but uh, they really dictated the play, and Villa missing Grealish and Adoma, two of their key players. Grealish, obviously, that man of the match performance against Birmingham, and Adoma getting his 14th goal of the season in that game. Uh, but Fulham, just they control possession so well, and everything ran through Kearney McDonald, like you say. A friend of mine, Tom, a uh, Fulham fan, and he said that... He said, he said they're, they're always everywhere. I was like, what do you mean by that? He went, well, you just look around and they're there. They know where everyone else is. They've, there's just awareness. They know where they're going to be able to pass to. And whilst, you know, like Sessignon out on the left-hand side, he'll then just be in the middle and you'll know where his teammates are and then they'll be Kearney. So like he said, they just, they know each other. And I think that is, that is a worry um, if they, if those two do go at the end of the season because obviously Kearney is always linked elsewhere. Then Fulham will be a little bit um, up a creek. But 12 goals as well from, from left wing. I mean, that is... Is it 12 goals? Yeah, it's yeah. 12. Yeah, he's got seven in 2018. He's in oh. incredible form. And this is the thing with Fulham. They swarm all over you. But in the first half of the season, they didn't really have a focal point. But they've got one now, haven't they? 
Yeah, Mitrovic, uh, I, I said in January I thought he was a good signing for, for Fulham because uh, one of the problems they had was side sitting deep against him, especially at Craven Cottage. We went and saw Joe Crilly's brave Bolton boys pick up a point there uh, earlier in the campaign. And uh, But Mitrovic gives him that focal point there where on Saturday he didn't do a great deal, to be honest, just did simple things very well, just uh, played it into him, laid it off and just gradually dragged the whole of uh, Fulham's play another inch forward every time with uh, with the way he was brought into the game. Um, I also think Jukanovic is probably the perfect manager to get the best out of him because um, they're from, obviously, uh, the same area. Jukanovic has been a former Yugoslavia international, Mitrovic representing Serbia. Uh, they actually hail from towns only 100 kilometres apart in Serbia, Ian. Mm. Well, there you go. How's his discipline as well? Because at Newcastle, he was a very <laughs> naughty boy. Has, has London chilled him? He did take out the linesman at one stage, but it was it was it was laughs all around. Everyone was Jeff found it very funny. The bleeding stopped eventually. Um, Aston Villa not really at the races. A remarkable run of form they've had up until this. So, Lloyd. Yeah, I think it was seven match winning run. Is that right? That, that is right. Just it didn't didn't happen for him, did it? No. Obviously, a, a mistake um, from Johnston. Yep. I always keep an eye on um, Sam Johnston. Well, I don't know why. I've always been obsessed with Manchester United goalkeepers from a young age. I'm a Grimsby Town fan, but I was obsessed with Peter Schmeichel. And then since then, I always keep an eye on Manchester United goalkeepers wherever they go. And so I just keep an eye on Sam Johnston. And then I saw that it was it was a bit of a. Yeah, it was it was a, a gaff, wasn't it? A, a rare moment though. He's been yeah. very good he's this been season. Brilliant. I think Villa are uh, quite eager to make that a permanent signing. Of course, one of the other players who's been so good this season uh, was Jack Grealish. He's been reinvented as a kind of attacking central midfielder, but he wasn't there on Saturday. Matt, did they miss him? Oh, massively, yeah, because he ran the show, didn't he, against Birmingham? And uh, he's uh, he's been in great form since he's come back from injury. I was reading some quotes from Steve Bruce where he says he's worked with Ollie Stevenson, who uh, is a strength and conditioning coach at Aston Villa, who used to be a former academy player before he moved into that role. And he's really brought Grealish's uh, his strength on, especially his upper body strength. You can see it now when he makes those driving runs through midfield. He can hold players off and he isn't uh, the featherweight sort of uh, player that he was beforehand. But... Uh, I thought the thing about Villa is they kept it very simple, didn't they, early in the season? They had Keenan Davis up front as uh, their target man, a young uh, player that they signed from non-league. And uh, they brought Keenan Davis on with only a couple of minutes to, to spare at the end. And you wonder if this run has maybe, especially with Grealish's influence, being someone that can help them play a little bit more football rather than going long uh, so much. Uh, you wonder if it's maybe sort of change their attitude and they want to play a bit more football but really against Fulham a side that are one of the best teams in the division at keeping the ball it perhaps would have been better to go direct and I think that's exemplified by bringing on Graben with 25 minutes to play he only had five touches which was as many as Keenan Davis managed in, in the last five minutes so perhaps they should have been launching it to a target man and trying to play off him a bit earlier Alright, food for thought there Joe Crilly from William Hill uh, what odds can we get on Villa going up? Uh, so Villa are the second favourites for promotion uh, behind Wolves, obviously. Uh, Villa eleven to ten. Are there even any odds on Wolves anymore? Have you guys just paid out already? Uh, we haven't paid out just yet, but they're one to five hundred. So yeah, that seems they, pretty yeah. certain, doesn't it? Yeah. Fulham, who had well every bit as poor a start as Villa, really. Neither of them uh, kicked off the the campaign very well. Um, they're right up there as well. They're in fifth now. What can we get on them to go up? Yeah, they're, they're six points behind. Uh, second place, and then nine to four to go up. So, um, I mean, there, there isn't, there is certainly worse bets that you could you could place. And I actually think that they represent out of perhaps the top five or six, excluding Wolves, although they don't represent any value. I actually think that they are best suited now to to make a push for that final 
uh, automatic spot. All right, we'll see how that pans out. When we come back, we'll be playing the Fan League. Listeners, do you like beer? Well, that's lucky, because our friends at Beer 52 love you Totally Football League show listeners so much, they want to give you some free beer. And not just any beer, craft beer. And not just one craft beer, a case of craft beer for free. And all because you listen to the Totally Football League show. Beer 52 is the largest craft beer club on the planet. They search out incredible and exclusive small batch craft beers from the world's greatest breweries and bring them back for their members. Sign up now at beer52.com slash TFLS and you'll get eight spectacular craft beers, some delicious bar snacks and Beer 52's award-winning magazine, Ferment. All you have to do is pay $5.95 for delivery. And if you decide that after this free taster that the club isn't for you, well, you can leave Beer 52 at any time. There's no catch. It really is a complete no-brainer. Just head to beer52.com slash TFLS and enter the offer code TFLS to claim your free case today. Matt, do you like quizzes? I love quizzes, Everyone Ian. loves quizzes. Lloyd, do you love quizzes? Uh, yeah, I love all the quizzes. Excellent, excellent. Uh, we've got one. It's the Totally Football Quiz. You can play every Friday at 12.30 on Facebook Live and win real prizes in real time. All you have to do is like us on Facebook, and you really should do. This week, prizes include the many, many boxes of Panini 365 trading cards we have under Social Pool's desk, um, thousands of them. There's Art of Football merchandise, which is brilliant. Uh, PlayStation goodie bags from Yellow Bulldog and the last copy of Football Manager 2018. So, Facebook Live, 12.30, Friday. All you've got to do to play is just like us on Facebook. That's easy enough, isn't it? In the meantime, let's play the Fan League. Um, six games on the slip today. Fan League's very simple, of course. You just download it from the App Store. You get a, th- a slip with 13 games and you just pick home win, away win or a draw. Um, let's learn by doing. Matt, Leeds against Brentford. Ooh, tricky one. Isn't it? Um, well, Leeds did so well to come back in that second half against Bristol City. Bristol City, oh my God, how many leads are they going to give oh, away now? They just look so tired now, don't they? Yeah, I mean, they obviously had uh, a very exhausting cup run as well in the, the League Cup where they played Man City uh, over two legs in semi-final. So I think I'm going to go for Leeds, actually, for this one. I think Leeds will do it. I agree, actually. Lloyd? Yeah, I'm going to go for Leeds, if that's okay. Bit of momentum now that they've got that. Bit of momentum, and also, it's just the fact that they've got that set-piece coach, Giovanni Vio. I just think that, um, I'd just like to back them, if that's okay. Yeah, that's for fine. That, for that sole reason. No problem at all. We don't judge here. Preston Ipswich. Preston, uh, a little unlucky, perhaps, not to beat Wolves at the weekend, Matt. Yeah, well, they went ahead, didn't they? And then they had uh, John Welsh sent off, and Wolves equalised pretty much straight away through Helder Costa, and then you thought probably going to go on and win that but they did so well to, to hold out with 10 men against uh, the side that everyone talks about as being a top 10 Premier League side really the way Wolves have been playing this season so I think Preston I mean one defeat in 16 every week I keep totting it up Ian and you keep looking at me like you know is that really a relevant fact right now because we're not talking about Preston but anyway I'm going for a Preston win <laughs> I think Preston win mainly because I think Ipswich are just going to collapse now Lloyd uh, Ipswich win Oh, why Mick McCarthy <laughs> God bless him. QPR, Nottingham Forest, never wise to put any faith in QPR's form at any point. But Forest um, have only scored in one of their last nine games. They've given up goals. Um, Matt, I, I think QPR here. It's been a dreadful start, hasn't it, for Ita Karanka? And 
I remember us just discussing uh, how he wanted to get two years at the city ground whenever he was appointed. And ooh, two months might be uh, a push right now. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to go for QPR as well. Lloyd? Go for a draw. Okay, safe enough. Um, Reading Derby. Um, Derby are obviously really good, but they're not that consistent, are they? Uh, Reading is <laughs> having a terrible season. I reckon they'll get a draw here, though. Two of the least offensive clubs in the league, aren't they, Reading Derby? I mean, no one seems to have a bad word really to say about either of them, apart from uh, Yapstam's form at Reading this season. Uh, I'm going to go for Derby win. OK. Um, Lloyd? Yeah, I'm going to go for a Derby win, but I think it will be close. Like, Derby is sitting fourth, but I mean, they're, not, they're, they're just getting by, aren't they? Just two wins Ticking. in the last six. Not quite got the momentum. Um, Fulham Wolves. I reckon Fulham for this one. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that one, Ian. Um, I thought Fulham were very good against Aston Villa. And I think it was interesting what Lloyd said earlier about uh, his friend saying, uh, who's a Fulham fan, saying that Fulham's players just seem to pop up all over the pitch at the right times. And Wolves played to a brilliant system that Santos implemented. But I think Fulham, having uh, had that squad together for uh, for a little bit longer, they just seem to play a little bit more intuitively. And they're really coming to form like they did at this stage last season as well when they had that uh, that push for promotion. And I think they'll win this one. Lloyd? I think there'll be more pressure on Fulham. I think there'll be a lot more pressure on Fulham. They have to win this. I think Wolves will will, will do it, though. So mm. I think Wolves win for me. No worries. Cardiff against Bristol City. Um, for me, this is a tired Bristol City against Cardiff, who are just double-hard bastards. They're really quick. They work really hard. They're really organised. I think I don't just think this will be a home win. I think this will be a big home win. Um, yeah, I think Cardiff will win. They recovered from that uh, little wobble that they had. Lloyd? Yeah, I think Cardiff will win. I, you know, I, I really like Bristol City. I think I, I love what, what's going on down at Aston Gate. But um, I think as the way they're going as well, I, I can't see them getting uh, in, in the playoff places as well. No, it's it's a vast improvement on last season, but I think it's just a bit too soon a bit for too them. too soon. But, you know, happy to be proved wrong. Um, should we have a look at League One? I think we should. Let's. Oh, go on then. League One Roundup. Does anyone want to win League One? Blackburn, they won last night, but they've only won three of their last six. Wigan also won last night, but they've lost two on the spin in the league. And Shrewsbury, beaten at home by Plymouth last weekend, lost at home to Rotherham this weekend. It was a sixth consecutive victory for Paul Warren's Millers, who are only four points off an automatic promotion place now. Scunthorpe were in the hunt for that place as well, but they dropped points again. Their third game without a victory, a two-all draw with Northampton. Uwe Rosler led Fleetwood to the playoffs last year, but he was sacked on Saturday with the club in freefall. The Cod Army lost 3-0 at Doncaster to make it five straight defeats. Gillingham's playoff push stalled at home to Walsall as they were held to a 0-0 draw, while MK Dons lost their fifth match in a row under Danny Makiki to stay mired in a relegation brown stuff. After four defeats on the spin, an injury-time winning goal from Joe Piggott brought AFC Wimbledon some respite as they beat Bristol Rovers 1-0. Neil Ardley's side are out of the drop zone. Chris Powell's mission was to keep Southend out of the drop zone, but if he carries on like this, the playoffs are a possibility. The Shrimpers' 3-1 win over Portsmouth made it four wins and a draw from his first five games in charge. Plymouth's incredible run of form has taken him within a point of the playoffs after a 1-0 win at Oxford. While Scunthorpe remained fifth, despite winning only one of their last eight games, they drew 2-2 at home to Northampton. And Rotherham made it six wins on the spin away to Shrewsbury. I don't know if this is a thing, but the Millers have scored in each of their last 23 matches. Hey Matt, how did Blackburn get on last night? We won 2-0 against Bury. 
Um, obviously, Bury side in brilliant form, uh, despite where they're positioned right now. And uh, we made a little bit of hard work of it, I think. But Bradley Dack was superb yet again. And uh, we're top of the table, Ian. So it doesn't get any better. Although, actually, I think I would prefer us to uh, be in a playoff push because I've never actually experienced that as a fan. And I think it would just be incredibly thrilling. You want to be in a playoff push? <laughs> yeah. Are you, you insane? Kn- you know nothing. Oh, mate. You do not want to be in a playoff push. As a Grimsby Town fan, we have been in oh, so many playoff pushes. And it is the worst thing in the world. You want to be automatic, see you later, I'm having a burger. We, like, we've gone up twice in the playoffs from the fourth division, but, but you know, we've fallen short as well. We got oh. absolutely destroyed by Doncaster in a semi-final uh, about ten years ago. You get all excited because that's what you're aiming for, just the playoffs. Get into the playoffs, get into the playoffs. You're almost at Wembley, get into the playoffs. And then you get there and you get absolutely gubbed. It's horrible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, just go up. Just okay, get it then. Done. Well, yeah. Let's let's do it automatically if we have to. It's, <laughs> cha- it's champions, <laughs> right? MK Dons. Then always a popular choice. Now the history section on this show usually takes me absolutely ages. This one was a bit quicker. MK Dons came into being in 2004, appearing as if by magic in the third division. Stuart Murdoch was the first manager, and he just about kept the team up, though that was thanks largely to Wrexham's 10-point deduction. There was no such luck the following year. Down they went into the basement with Danny Wilson at the wheel. Martin Allen was next up, and he made the playoffs before leaving for Leicester. Paul Lintz won League Two in 2008 and won the Football League Trophy too. He left for Blackburn. Roberto Di Matteo took over and reached the League One playoffs before leaving for West Bromwich Albion. Ince came back, but left in a huff when the budgets were cut. And then in 2010, Carl Robinson, just 29 years old, took over. And granted the sort of patience that third flight managers so rarely receive, Robinson reached the playoffs twice, missed out twice, and then went up to the Championship automatically in 2015. They didn't last long, though. Despite an encouraging start, they slumped hard and trudged home in 23rd place. Robinson left early the following season and was replaced by Robbie Nielsen, who left Hearts for a crack at the third division. He lasted just over a year, and in his place stands Dan McKeechee, the former England under-16 coach. And, as Matt said earlier, he's lost his first five games in charge. Lloyd, let's deal with the elephant in the room. Don't call me that. (laughs) Oh, a bit of fun, isn't it? A successful London club from south of the river is struggling to fill its stadium. It's at risk of bankruptcy, so it moves north of the river to a more affluent area. So how long before we forgive Arsenal? Milton Keynes. (laughs) Oh, the old switcheroo. It's good fun, isn't it? It's a classic, isn't it? Uh, But, I mean, you know. Never. We've all sort of moved on from Arsenal, haven't we? Oh, Tottenham fans aside. But it's not a different story, though, is it? It's, you know, Arsenal... There's a bit of history there, wasn't there? And it wasn't as a franchise situation. Um, I'll I'll never, I'll never forgive what has happened. There is a a half life to this toxicity that just doesn't seem to be halving at all. Mm. Um, I mean, one of the presenters here at Jazz FM is not just an AFC Wimbledon fan, but uh, but you know was right there at the very beginnings. Um, and his face when I said we were talking about MK Dons, you know, that, that, uh, that isn't going away. Um, how do you think they've coped with it as a club, Matt? Well, they've done what they've, they've needed to do in terms of trying to, uh, to move on from that, that, 
terribly underhand beginning as uh, you know as we perhaps might term it um, I mean yeah I don't, I don't understand why I had to take Wimbledon's position but um, you know they'll always be tainted by that like you say but what they do do is they try and uh, get a lot of young fans into into matches they do a lot of discounts for kids um, I've been to uh, the uh, the stadium a couple of times and uh, the Moo Camp I think is the nickname for it and uh they, uh, you know, it's it's almost like a, a kid's play barn. Is uh, that's the sort of atmosphere <laughs> that, that, that there is there because they're getting so many families, and I think that's a brilliant thing, though. Encouraging the next generation to go to games can only be a good thing, and MK Dons do do that very well. Uh, and, and there is obviously a demand for a club in that area. Perhaps they should have started one up from scratch. That's the way to do these things. But then, is it do- possible to start a club from scratch and go all the way up from non-league back into the football league and say, I don't know, nine seasons? <laughs> Good question, Ian. Uh, they get around 9,000 fans a game, which puts them above Wigan and Oxford in the uh, attendance uh, table in League One, which is uh, pretty decent going. So there is, you know, a, a strong, solid infrastructure of that club there, um, considering that, you know, it hasn't been around for, for, for that long. Um, and please can we move on from these awkward questions? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan Mckeechy is uh, a left field choice, but it's not their first left field choice. I mean, you know, Paul Ince, that was his first managerial job. Um, same with Di Matteo, Carl Robinson, 29 years old. All of those worked out to some extent. This one doesn't seem to be working out so well. I mean, we're only five matches in, but they, they have lost all of them. Yeah, it's not going brilliantly, is it? And uh, I, I watched the game against Charlton at the weekend and uh, they, they tried to move the ball around well in, in the, the opening uh, quarter. They passed it pretty quickly. They played 3-5-2 formation, so uh, it was quite expansive the way that they set up. But Charlton pressed them very high up the pitch and uh, I think it would have made sense to go over the top a bit more for Agard, but instead they tried to play through Charlton and... Charlton, when they're up for it, are an excellent team in this division, and uh, they, they, yeah, they, they far outclassed MK Dons at the weekend. The first goal was an absolute shambles from McGrandles. Um, I'm having that one. <laughs> Hello. Who was uh, hooked at half time, presumably never to be seen again outside of a Dickens novel, because I think McGrandles sounds very much like a, <laughs> a character out of Oliver Twist or something. Um, uh, Charlton, of course, managed by Carl Robinson. Um, uh, he, he did very well there. I yeah. seem to rem- recall him beating Manchester United 4-0. It was a tough one, this one, because MK Dons look like what they are, a team bereft of confidence, desperately trying to play decent football. Well, they're just spiralling at the moment, but then there's a number of teams on, on, that are spiralling in, in League One, all, all with having not won for games and games and games. But um, I, I really like um, Robinson. I think he's... Uh, a young good manager and I was chuffed when he uh, when when he left um, MK Dons I'm not saying this to antagonise any MK Dons fans but I just think that you know he would have had a lot of pressure doing that job as well I think it would be a nice breath of fresh air for him being at Chelsea and they're doing <laughs> alright aren't they I think, I think they will I think I don't know what the odds are, but I think they will. This must be the only scenario we're taking over at Cheltenham Athletic. Looks like the better option. (laughs) Yeah. All that's gone there. Um, With uh, Dan Makiti, you know, he hasn't just popped out of nowhere. He was um, coaching the academy players. He was obviously England under 16. Deli Alley's spoken about him in uh, in very glowing terms. I mean, in a way, this is... For for the club that MK Dons are and for what they do and the way they try and get young players into the team, it's kind of a good appointment, isn't it? Yeah, I th- yeah, I think so because well, he's he came out I think yesterday and said that he's the right man for the job. Um, he knows the club better than anybody. Um, as you say, Delhi came out and, and said that he's a good nurturer of of skill and talent. And as you say, MK Dons seem to be very much a club with the emphasis on you know youth and young players. 
I mean, it's not a great start, though, is it? No. <laughs> not to no. go back to the Paul Wilkinson thing, but the CV doesn't read great as it is, you know, stats-wise. But attention, maybe they thought if they go down to League Two, then he's someone that can help build an, another new team, a new generation coming through, and they, maybe they're looking at it as a long-term sort of thing, and really, you know, this season, if they do go down, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. And it's just how long the patience holds, because there is a touch of Rossi Eames at Barnet here, isn't there, with uh, Rossi's work um, with the youth team. We have Martin Allen sitting in that very chair, Lloyd, who was telling us what a great technical coach Rossi was, and, you know, there he is with Barnet, and presumably with time to bring in his way of playing. But, of course, if results go against you it's much harder to hold to that plan so there is that risk however some outstanding examples of manager talk from uh, from a man so so young and inexperienced he said uh, on saturday of the players they have to be 100% with us or nothing if you're 99% it's not enough fair point later he said um, we have to ask ourselves what we can do to keep this club in the division if you're a 6 out of 10 that's not enough we need 9 out of 10s now i'm not a mathematician <laughs> But I'm fairly sure nine out of ten is is ninety percent. Yeah, which is significantly lower than than ninety nine. Do you not get a free calculator of the manager's job these days? <laughs> um, also, but my thing with that is, how are you like differentiating the difference between ninety nine percent and one hundred percent? I yeah. mean, that is that is minimal. If there's what, where is his barometer? How is he testing that? He has at least stopped short of the mythical one hundred and ten percent, which yeah. is an unrealistic expectation. Yeah, it's it's the ultimate manager's cliche, isn't it? Really, just percentage. Right up there with uh, something else he said on Saturday. We have fourteen cup finals coming up. <laughs> there we go. Um, They've actually got two this week: Rochdale away on Oof. Wednesday night, and then Fleetwood on Saturday, and that's going to decide their season. Good time to play Rochdale, though. After all the cup heroics, you know, will they have enough in the tank for it? And a good time to play Fleetwood, maybe after they've just lost the manager. This is very true. Let's see what Joe Crilly of William Hill says. Um, MK Dons then uh, <laughs> terrible, terrible form, but can they get out of this? That's right. Their uh, their odds have have actually tumbled from uh, about four to one at Christmas to uh, two to seven. Oof. They're the second favourites to go down with uh, with Berry, uh, one to thirty three to go down. Rochdale, who for all their cup heroics and their seventy million um, games in hand, uh, are odds on at one to two as well. So they're uh, they're the three favourites to go down from this division with Northampton uh, filling off those top four at six to five. And what about? like a climax of a classic movie, AFC and Wimbledon and MK Dons in a knife fight at the top of a waterfall and they both go tumbling over the edge. That was a great movie. That would be uh, three and a half to one, so about seven to two for them both to go down. Mm, Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, My producer fairy has been overnight, producer Ben, uh, with facts about Milton Keynes that he wants me to share with you. Uh, It's 40% green space. No one in Milton Keynes is ever more than half a mile from a park. Can I add another fact to that? I am obsessed with cathedrals because I'm an absolute lad. Um, but did you know? <laughs> that is so soccer at Oh, him. mate, honestly, I, I, I've got this thing where if you name any cathedral in the country, I can tell you a fact about it. It's weird, <gasps> like, honestly. Can we test you? I mean, you can. But, I mean, Chesterfield I'll, Cathedral. It's not, it's not a cathedral, is it, mate? It's oh, a God parish damn church. Damn <laughs> <it>. <laughs> You're falling at the first hurdle there, mate. Um, but Milton Keynes has a tree cathedral. A what? A tree cathedral. Um, there's a cathedral um, that is built uh, just outside of Milton Keynes, and it's it's essentially uh, it's basically if you're listening to this, Google it. It's called uh, a tree cathedral, and it's basically 
a cathedral made of trees. It's the, the footprint of a cathedral that is made out of trees. Nice. You can go and walk around it. Right, if you want to go see MK Dons, tickets are between £22 and £32. There are a lot of tiered concessions and uh, it should be noted under 12s go free when they have young Dons membership and are accompanied by an adult, which, you know, aside from everything else, is a very good thing. There is limited parking at the stadium, so you might want to pre-book that. If you're going by train, be aware that Milton Keynes train station is a very, very, very long walk away. Nearest station is Bletchley, though even that is a 30-minute walk, or 11 minutes for producer Ben. When we come back, it's the League Two Roundup. Listeners, you like shaving, and so do I. In fact, I like shaving so much, I've just changed all my shaving products to Harry's. And you can too by heading to harrys.com slash league. Harry's cucumber and aloe shave gel lathers into a luxurious foam, meaning their German-engineered blades can glide across your face and their post-shave balm will leave you extra cool and fresher than ever. Because you listen to the Totally Football League show, you can get a special Harry's trial set delivered right to your door for just £3.95. Find out more at harrys.com slash league. Harry's, a closer, smoother shave at a fraction of the price. League Two, then. Mansfield are back on track. They won 1 0 away at Exeter at the weekend. Another goal for Danny Rose. Forest Green and Morecambe, a 1 0 draw that did neither of them any good there. And Notts County just plunging down the table. They looked certs for automatic promotion. They're fifth now because they couldn't beat Newport. 0 0 draw there. Accrington are still third after Billy Key rescued a point from the penalty spot at Barnet with his 19th goal of the season. While managerless Cambridge beat managerless but smiling Grimsby to 3-1 to make it two wins out of two since Sean Derry's departure. And Chesterfield lost 2-0 at Carlisle to stay five points from safety. We spoke about them last week, but we didn't curse them. Swindon win 3-2 against Port Vale. They are sixth in the table now. And another big win for Stevenage. 4-1 over Yeovil. Stevenage 15, Yeovil down to 17th. Cheltenham beat Port Vale 5-1 the other week, but of course we waited to talk about them after they lost 2-0 at home to Wickham. Harry Kuehl's Crawley keep on trucking though. They beat Lincoln 3-1, with Imps boss Danny Cowley sent to the stands, despite claiming he was merely trying to protect the referee from his own player. Doesn't he know you shouldn't go chasing Waterfall? Jesus. (laughs) And Crew done a win, their first in seven games to see off Colchester 1-0. The Totally Football League show wow. is a Muddy Knees Media production. Stella For work, sales and advertising, please email Should us we talk at sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Let's do it. Excellent. Uh, first of all, I have to apologise to Swindon supporters um, while doing their history last week. I, um, I completely forgot to mention the fact that they won the League Cup in 1969, beating Arsenal at Wembley, which kind of does stand out as one of the biggest things that Swindon have done. <laughs> you know as well, weren't you? Aye, that's just low. That's low. Sorry, Swindon. Uh, I did read it. I meant to write it down. I got distracted by something shiny. Cheltenham Town um, haven't won the League Cup. Uh, but they were founded in 1887 by Albert White, a schoolteacher. He held trials at Gloucestershire Cricket Ground and, well, off they went from there. They played at three different grounds before settling into their current home, Wadden Road, in 1932. And God, I could tell you tales of their daring do in the Southern League, invoking the names of men like Tim Ward and Peter Goering and Ray Shiner. But time, alas, is against us. So take my hand as we stretch through the very fabric of time itself and return to 1997, when Steve Cottrell takes over and has quite the most extraordinary spell in the hot seat. 
Cheltenham don't win the Southern League. Gresley Rovers win the Southern League. But their ground doesn't meet to conference standards, so the Robins go up in their place. And they nearly go up again the next season too. They finish second, but they do win the FA Trophy as a consolation prize. They went up to the Football League the following season, though, and they stayed in the fourth division for well, only three seasons, going up via the playoffs in 2002. Oh, by this point, Cottrell had caught the eye of lots of clubs. He left for Stoke, very short period at Stoke, strangely, and Cheltenham went back down again. Back up into the third division they bobbed in 2006 under the stewardship of John Ward and then back down again in 2009. They settled a little under the management of Mark Yates. Indeed, they reached the playoffs twice before they fell out of the Football League altogether in 2015. But Gary Johnson, who got Yeovil up back in the day, of course, came in and won the conference at the first attempt. But Matt, it's not been a comfortable return, has it? No, they uh, they struggled last season and uh, were threatened with relegation pretty much the whole campaign and... Uh, this year, they've managed to keep their heads well above water, but uh, they're sort of stuck in mid-table and they've won only two of the last 11 games. The, the weird thing is, though, those two wins, they beat Port Vale 5-1 and then won 4-1 at Colchester. So so when they're on it, they really are on it, but they're not on it that often. No, they, they certainly weren't on it um, uh, against Wickham. Though, in fairness, Wickham are, are one of the best teams in the league. Um, they also have uh, Akin Fenwa. Um, now you, you've seen the uh, the goals yeah. in this game. <laughs> they've been beasted, haven't they? They have been. Yeah, they've they've ultimately looked at him and gone, "Oh, he's big. I'm not going to get near him." And then just given him, I think, forty eight yards of space <laughs> for him to do pretty much whatever he wanted to do, and that resulted in a goal and also an assist. Is that right? All in the space of four minutes. I mean, um, I'm torn between saying they've given him far too much time and what the hell were they expected to do? The man is enormous, Matt. Yeah, we were looking at that stat, weren't we, this morning that we uh, we spotted on Twitter from the excellent account Playmaker Stats, who uh, are always tweeting nuggets of little football league goodness. Don't know why I said it in that voice. <laughs> and uh, Akin Fenworth, 15 goals and 10 assists, is the first player in the top four tiers to reach double figures for league goals and assists in 2017-18. And he really has been brilliant since he joined Wickham. But like you say, uh, it was miserable defending, a miserable attempt to try and stop him at the weekend. And Cheltenham scored 46 goals, which is as many as anyone outside the top six in uh, League Two. But then they've conceded more than Barnet, who were bottom. And uh, you could definitely see that defence was an issue against Wickham because they let two players turn in the box for that first goal. Mikhail Smith, who set up Akinfenwa. And uh, they just didn't push out quick enough for the second goal. And uh, they left Akinfenwa around the edge of the box, who uh, played in Paris Cowan Hall. And uh, how much time did he have to pick his spot? About 20 minutes? I think it was, uh, yeah, about 20 minutes, yeah. It, it seemed to, uh, time seemed to stand still. But uh, they came back a little bit, Cheltenham, in the second half. But, uh, yeah, like you say, Wickham, such a strong side and it's such a great vein of form at the moment. I do like Gary Johnson, though. Um, he said, uh, that he was being interviewed after the game and the interviewer said, um, the tone of this interview, I like it when interviewers sort of, you know, <laughs> Mark out where they're going with this. The tone of this interview, he said, is that you played a good team and gave it a good go, but Wickham were too good. Is that fair? And Gary Johnson said, no, we played a good team and we didn't give it a good go. We didn't play as well as we could have uh, could have played. Nowhere near. We didn't create enough chances. Um, yada, yada, yada. A couple of late crosses, but I can't remember many shots or opportunities, which is disappointing. We didn't play well. So... No, no messing around there. No, he's being very honest there, isn't he? <laughs> he really, he's really is. Saying we are, we were awful. Um, honesty matched by midfielder Harry Pell, who said uh, the season's been very frustrating. There have probably been a couple of games, uh, probably only been a couple of games we haven't been in, and we've chucked away so many points through naivety. Um, you a big fan of Harry Pell? 
Uh, thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> hey. So he came on loan to Grimsby and he wasn't very good at all. And then obviously he goes away and he starts playing for Cheltenham. And then obviously every time we play Cheltenham, Harry Pell has the game of his life and usually scores and does the little celebration with the ears where you cup your hands behind your ears. <laughs> um, but, he, you know, he is a decent footballer. He is he's a good footballer. Um, he's, just, he's just quite annoying as a Grimsby Town fan to see someone who then just riles us every single time you play him as well. Cheltenham are very much like a yo-yo team. I can't, again, I, I, I don't see them going any further than uh, the League Two at the moment. And annoyingly, they were the last team that we played under Russell Slade's tenure in his first game in charge, uh, last game in charge when he was at Grimsby Town when we lost in the uh, League Two playoff final in 2006. Nice. At the Cardiff uh, Millennium Stadium. So I've hated basically Cheltenham <laughs> since then. <laughs> what, one thing I will say, though, every time I go to Cheltenham, I will always find car parking space. Really? Yeah, there's always car parking space, either in the like just, just next to the stadium or on the surrounding streets. It's never been a problem. I just like to be able to park. I mean, I don't even have a car, but I just like the knowledge, the reassurance <laughs> when I'm at the game that had I driven, yeah. I could have parked. Well, th- this is good. You're like doing do, half the do, tickets and travel for me. Do you know what I did on? Um, do you know what I did on Saturday? It was the most devious thing I think I've ever done. I text Max Rushton to see if he had a contact at Cambridge to see if I could get a car parking space <laughs> outside the stadium. <laughs> and then it happened. And I parked my car. Because I, I was coming from uh, work and then I had to go via somewhere else. I was like, I'm only going to get there at 10 to 3. I'm not going to find anywhere to park. And at like half 7, I was text Max went, can you sort me out with a car parking space? He went, mate, of course I can. The soccer AM presenter mafia. I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all working for me, yeah. finally. Can car parking. Getting the out of the car like, this is how I roll now. Yeah, and mate. the handbrake doesn't work, so actually the car just did just roll into a nearby Mercedes and cost me 500 quid, but that's a different story. <laughs> well, if you can ask him where I can park at South End on the off chance that he's still talking to me, that would be much appreciated. Um, Joe Crilly from William Hill. Um, Charlton at uh, Charlton? Cheltenham do seem to be safe from relegation, don't they? Cheltenham as well. Uh, they're, they're more than safe from relegation. <laughs> yeah. Cover right. everything on this show. Two divisions at once. Very much so. Are they even in our betting? Yeah, they're, they're 80 to 1 uh, for relegation. So That's that, right, that pretty much uh, rules them out of that. Barnet and uh, Chesterfield, both the favourites at uh, 1 to 2. Poor old Chesterfield. Can I, can I ask what the odds are for Grimsby to get relegated? Yeah, 14 to 1. So they're, they're, there's... The two odds-on teams, then there's a little group of three, Forest Green, Crew, and Morecambe at five to two, seven to two, and four to one. And then there's a bit of a, a bit of a leap and Grimsby at fourteen to one to go down. Okay. Poor old Chesterfield, man. First they lose their cathedral. Now it turns out they're <laughs> second favourites to go down. That's not been a good show for them. Um what about next year and promotion? Could Cheltenham do that or is that a very long shot? Um I don't know about next year, but we've actually got them still in our betting for promotion this year. They are the last team that we've quoted, (laughs) and they're 250 to 1. But do you remember how we laughed all those uh, many, many weeks ago when uh, somebody said that they'd back Plymouth at 200 to 1, and look at them. Yeah, they really Uh, are, don't they? We need to find that person. They're absolutely flying at the moment, and Cheltenham 250 to 1. Now, I'm not advising anybody to back it, because that would be ludicrous, but uh, we are still quoting them just. All right, my producer, Ferry, um, has told me that uh, famous sons of Cheltenham uh, include Gustav Holt. Who, oh, uh, yeah, the not, planets. Yeah, great album. Not, not sure if he did a follow-up. Um, he did a number of. Did he? Yeah, Gustav Holtz. Yeah. Other, other I think my favourite. I think my favourite um, piece of Holtz would actually be the Nunc Dimittis. Oh, 
Ah. Commissioned for Westminster Cathedral, but you know. Well, I, I'm I'm going to give him a listen on Spotify. Again, I wrote more. I wrote two books to Gustav Holtz. Did you? Um, because I can't listen to words while I'm writing, you see. Good so idea. I just had that on on repeat play. Uh, the books were not good and were a critical and commercial failure. Um, that's probably not Holtz's fault. <laughs> if you want to go and see Cheltenham. Uh, you can. Tickets range between 16 and £21, depending on where you want to watch from. Uh, Under-18s, 5 to £7, and junior robins go free. As Lloyd has told us, parking's really easy. Um, though they do say there are a limited number of spaces at the ground which cost £5. Though the Parkland Social Club does have some parking at £4, so some kind of price war going on there. Um, while Joe's here, let's have a look at the TV games. Um, Hull Sheffield United on Friday. Um, difficult times for both clubs. Hull had their pants pulled well and truly around their ankles uh, against Chelsea, and Sheffield United have slid dramatically down the table. Yeah, and uh, it, you've actually got Hull as favourites to win this one. That just shows really? how. Really? Yeah, that shows how uh, uh, Sheffield United have declined in in recent uh, weeks. Hull in twenty first place. Hull very much, in, yeah, in 21st place and 6-4 to four to win this one, uh, Sheffield United. I mean, it's, it's pretty close, Sheffield United 13-8 to eight to win it. So On Saturday, of course, fantastic looking game, uh, Fulham against Wolves. What do we reckon here? Yeah, so Wolves are favourite to win this one um, at 6-4, to four, but I mean, the, the run that Fulham are on at the moment, it, you'd be a fool not to bat them. Uh, eight to five. Um, the draw is nine to four. I think. I think all three of those will be incredibly popular. First goal scorer Jota and Bonatini, the the, the joint favourites. Uh, nine to two, followed by Mitrovic and Sessegnon at uh, eleven to two. And I was just having a quick look at the Championship top goal scorer market as well. Sessegnon's a fullback, and he's twenty to one to get the most goals this season. Nice. Right, let's look to the questions you've been sending in on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Jack O'Neill on Twitter, um, what are Lloyd's thoughts on Cheltenham? Yeah, we've, we've kind of oh, done we've that. we've covered that, mate. Not a great big fan. Lovely Pete parking. on Twitter says, Ryan Lowe's definitely the right man for Berry. Uh, he's instilled some pride and fight. That's fair, isn't it, Matt? It is, yeah, definitely. And Last night was their first defeat in six. Uh, yes, and uh, they put up quite a decent uh, performance as well. I mean, Blackburn did find it a little bit difficult to get through them at times. Um, some kamikaze defending for our second goal, it has to be said. But uh, I think, yeah, don't, don't, um, maybe don't change the situation too much at the moment. He's already in there till the end of the season. Just stick at that and give it everything to try and get out of the relegation zone. I honestly think that's probably the key to running a football club. Is just if it's if everything's fine, just don't do anything. Yeah. Don't restructure. Just just leave it well alone. There's Go a, on holiday. There's a saying, if it ain't broke, just keep the manager until the end of the season. <laughs> I know that saying. My old gran used to say that. Uh, Portsmouth. Uh, James on Twitter wants to know about Portsmouth. Are Pompey on the way back? I've been going for years and I just can't tell this year. It's hardly surprising. They're very inconsistent. Um can we see? I have to say, Portsmouth brought so many people to Roots Hall at the weekend. It's the first time I've seen the away end full in ages. I was going to say, were they fans? Because you said they brought so many people. I was just wondering, were they just kind of hanging around outside? <laughs> yeah. Why are we here again? Fish and chips, £4.20. Asked for the special by name. Um, can we see Portsmouth coming back at any point in the future? I think so. They were very good last season in League Two. Um, we had a few tasty games against them, um, and they've added to the squad. One person I always keep a lookout for in the in the Portsmouth squad is the uh, the goalkeeper Luke McGee. Uh, I think he was fourth choice at Spurs, um, and he's gone there, and he's 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 he's, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. So I always keep an eye out um, for them. Obviously, they've just uh, re-signed uh, Stephen Henderson uh, as well. I, I, 
I just, yeah, I, I reckon uh, it'd be good to see him fly, but I don't think it's, it's not going to happen this season, is it? The big, right. big news at Portsmouth is that Matt Clark's just signed a new contract till 2020, yeah. and he's like the key player for them, uh, being linked with a move next summer. So uh, that's, a, that's a great boost for them after recent defeats to Blackburn and Southend. OK, last question. Uh, Garth on Twitter says, As a Borough fan, I always liked Richie Smallwood, but I didn't expect his level of impact at Blackburn. Just how good is he, Matt? The king of Ewood. We absolutely love him at Blackburn. He's been uh, he's oh. been brilliant. Uh, tough tackling, combative central midfielder who does all the dirty work, allowing Bradley Dyke to pour forward and uh, create all the many goals that he does. And he also scored an absolute screamer at Fleetwood recently, which I think was uh, nominated for League One Goal of the Month in January. So he's been fantastic. And uh, yeah, he's ours. Excellent stuff. What a lovely place to end it. Lloyd, thank you so much for coming in. Is there anything of yours we can plug for you? Uh, not, no, just um, just just like me. Um, <laughs> not on social, just like, just like in me. Just Like me in real life. Uh, yeah, no, I've, I've just finished my tour. Um, just finished. Uh, I've got a date in Birmingham on Friday, if anyone fancies that. I think there's a few tickets left. But otherwise, just catch me online, Lloyd Griffith, on the various social platforms. And just uh, just... just just thoughts and prayers with Grimsby Town I think yeah very much so I think we all echo that here at the Totally Football League show Matt anything we can plug for you yeah just plug that yawning gap in my diary of no plans (laughs) 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 so a new football manager comes out saying we'll do a link up everything will be fine lovely stuff (laughs) sterling performance Joe Crilly straight from the airport into the studio Uh, thanks to producer Tayo to Social Paul and to you dear listener for listening Um, we will see you next Tuesday Hello, I'm Ian McIntosh. Thanks for listening today. Uh, I just wondered if I could tell you about Gareth Parker. Uh, Gareth Parker was a promising young footballer who never quite made it. He was released by Watford at the age of 15. He bounced around the lower leagues and into non-league football. And somewhere down the line, he completely banjaxed his spine. A specialist told him that the injury was likely to have been caused by a heavy blow to the back of his neck during a match and helpfully informed Gareth that he was now one big sneeze away from potential paralysis. That's not what you want to hear. Gareth underwent major spinal surgery to replace a disc in his neck and to replace two vertebrae, but he was told that he should never play contact sport again. But that didn't stop him running. I've never hidden my struggle with depression, Gareth said, and any enforced inactivity has always had a significant negative impact on my mental health. But running really is cheaper than therapy. As I became fitter and fitter, I realised I'd never felt more in control of my mind. Gareth has now been given permission by specialists to undertake something absolutely ridiculous, a mammoth marathon challenge. During 2018, he will run 1,000 miles in the form of monthly half marathons and two full marathons, including the London Marathon in April. He's doing that to raise money for the homeless charity Centrepoint, specifically to fund the Centrepoint sports programmes that will inspire and empower their participants, giving them the practical tools and necessary confidence to positively transform their lives. If you want to support Gareth, and we'll certainly be doing that, you can find a link to Gareth's Just Giving page on the Audio Boom page for this podcast. Good luck, Gareth, you mad bastard.